Welcome back to our study of Mark's Gospel. In this video, we're going to look at Mark chapter 5. And in this chapter, what we're going to see is three different stories. Uh, and with each one of these stories, they're going to show us something about the power of Jesus. But even more importantly than that, they're going to show us something about the purity of Jesus. So let's take a look at these three stories together. Let's look at verses 1 through 5 of Mark chapter 5. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Now, now let's just pause right here. Okay, this one, what we're going to see is it, it has to do with the spiritual realm. It has to do with this impure spirit. And Jesus is going to show that he has the power over the spirit. Okay, I, I'm sure that you already know that, that he is going to cast out this, uh, this impure spirit. But with this, we see Jesus has power. We see that Jesus has purity within this. And he has control over these impure spirits. Even though they have, you know, some control over the world during the days of Jesus, because obviously this impure spirit is able to do horrible things to this man. And he, he's living life as an outsider and, and everything about him. He is, you know, removed from the typical uh, society. And this story, uh, it has fascinated me for quite some time for, for several different reasons, really. Uh, I guess kind of probably whenever I was a teenager. I, I don't know that this story, um, probably whenever I read this story, before I was a teenager, I just kind of thought it was like a weird story. And I mean, it's cool that Jesus heals this man, but there's a lot of weird things. And I guess whenever I became a teenager, I still noticed those weird things, but I kind of appreciated them in the story. And, and I, I appreciated this uh, this power that we see Jesus having. And, and really, I guess another reason why this kind of uh, connected with me and, and sort of meant a bit is because, you know, it includes things of this story about this this impure spirit who has this superhuman strength and and this man is possessed with his impure spirit and because of that he has this superhuman strength and it's it's kind of interesting to see these types of stories because you know we don't always see this and and I guess uh, with this one it, it had a little bit more of a, of excitement to it and there's still some things that are kind of confusing about this story which I mean I don't know that really any of us are going to be able to to figure out all of these details but they're there that we can appreciate this story. They're there and we can appreciate these things that we learn about Jesus. And I think they most certainly are going to tell us about the power of Jesus. And that's one of the things that, that Mark is, is explaining to us. But even more importantly than that, it's going to teach us about the purity of Jesus. Because this impure spirit doesn't have a hold on Jesus Christ. No, Jesus has a hold and can do whatever he wants with this impure spirit. So let's continue reading and let's find out what happens. Obviously, this man, he's in a bad situation. I'm not trying to, to take away from that at all. This man, he's in desperate need of deliverance, and Jesus is about to give it to him. Now let's look at verses 6 through 13. When he saw Jesus, that is, the man with the impure spirit, saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. 
and he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Okay, so that's the, this is whenever the actual kind of healing takes place. And in the next slide, what we're going to notice is uh, how the man responds. But we're also going to see how do the people around Jesus respond. And also we'll see how Jesus responds uh, to this, this miracle, this casting out of the impure spirit. But before we get there, um, I want us to make sure that we kind of take a look at some of these details um, uh, from what we already see in this passage. One of the things that we see that, that I always kind of found fascinating about this story, in verse 6, we find that this impure spirit who is possessing this man, whenever he sees Jesus from a distance, he just starts running to him. And that was always strange to me. But then he falls on his knees in front of him and he addresses him as, in verse 7, Jesus, son of the most high God. Jesus, son of the most high God. That's how he addresses Jesus. See, the demons, they recognized who Jesus was uh, most of the time far better than us humans did at that time. And they were able to recognize fully who Jesus was, that he is son of the most high God. Now, this is significant for a few different reasons. This kind of illustrates why Jesus specifically, uh, you know, told demons, don't be proclaiming who I am. See, they know who he is. They know. But this is not the type of messenger that God wants. This is not the type of messenger that Jesus wants. He doesn't want the demons to openly proclaim that he is the Messiah. They want humans, Jesus and God. They want humans to be the ones who proclaim it. Humans who are on the side of God, working with him to proclaim this good news about Jesus Christ. That's our job today. Our job is to proclaim this message that Jesus is the son of the most high. But then after this impure spirit addresses Jesus like that, then he makes this request. He actually says in God's name, which it's interesting to me that he's actually kind of even reaching to God and kind of trying to use God in some way like this and, and kind of ask something because, I mean, it's an impure spirit. He's already made up his mind. He's not going to follow the one true and living God. But now he's kind of reaching out and using God and trying to, to beg Jesus not to torture him. It's kind of weird about all that, but Jesus is very firm on what he says. He tells him to come out of the man, but then he has a conversation uh, with, with this demon, which by the way, uh, I know this is a little bit of an aside note, but typically I would discourage humans from having a conversation with demons. Okay, now Jesus, of course, um, you know, he didn't even ask me about what I would say about having that conversation with the demons. So, you know, he has this conversation. Um, I don't recommend us having conversations with demons, okay? Jesus does that, though. So let's just kind of accept this as kind of a weird story, but one that we do find out something about the uh, the, the realm of these impure spirits, the realm of these demons. And, and I know that I, I said that uh, I'm not trying to be too light in that. I want us to recognize that, you know, demons aren't really a, a friendly being that we need to just, you know, kind of be buddy-buddy with and, and have this conversation with them. Um, Jesus, though, he does engage this one in a conversation. So Jesus asked him in verse 9, what is your name? And here's where we find out something about how demons work. The demons respond that my name is Legion, for we are many. 
And I, I always kind of thought that response was so weird, but now we see that this legion of, of demons, this many demons are inside this one man. That's one of the reasons why he has this superhuman strength is because it's not just one, it's multiple demons who, who are inflicting this man. And then finally, what they do is, is kind of, uh, they sort of request in verse 12 that they be sent into these pigs. Well, Jesus allows them to be sent into the pigs. A lot of weird stuff about this story. I know, I'm not trying to explain these things, just pointing them out. So these impure spirits, they go into the pigs and this whole herd, about 2,000, which by the way, I don't know what a typical pig farm uh, or you know a herd of pigs, I don't know what that would typically be, but 2,000 sure seems like a whole lot to me. Now, you know, also, I'll go ahead and I'll mention this. Uh, maybe that means there were 2,000 spirits. Maybe so. Maybe there was at least enough spirits in there that they caused enough commotion among those pigs that they affected 2,000. I don't know exactly what the case. I, I don't think that that number is there to tell us exact, exactly how many uh, that legion of demons was. But that number is there just to show us this is a powerful thing. And whenever 2,000 pigs all of a sudden just run off of a cliff and they drown in water, that's going to get people's attention. So here what we see is Jesus has power over this impure spirit, and he, he grants him this being able to go in to these pigs. And the pigs, they drown. But now I want us to see the response of people. Um, we're going to see the response that Jesus has after this miracle. We're going to see the response of the, the man who was possessed with the legion of demons. After he's healed, how does he respond? We're also going to find out how do the people who own the pigs, or you know, at least taking after the pigs, uh, taking care of the pigs, how did they respond? We're going to see all of those things in the next few verses. So now let's take a look at those. Verses 14 through 20. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis about um, how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Okay, so let's notice these responses right here. Um, what we find out is, let's kind of work through here. Verse 14, obviously the people who were tending the pigs, um, they're gonna tell somebody this story. And they go and they tell a lot of somebody this story. And then what you find in verse 15 is, that this man who was possessed with all these demons, right there, he's sitting, he's in his right mind. Uh, nobody has a doubt. This man has been healed. And because of that, notice the response of the people. The people respond with being afraid. That's what verse 15 tells us. I, I mean, that, that's a very interesting response, but you know, also one that kind of makes sense. If you see something like this and everything about your world is just kind of different. And this guy who was kind of thought of to be this crazy guy that was best possessed by all these demons, now he's he's okay who is jesus and they're going to be asking that question and in this case they were just afraid because they didn't know okay if jesus comes into this region and if he already sent two thousand pigs over the hillside what else is he going to do 
I mean, yeah, it's good that the man is okay, but what else is Jesus going to do? So there's a few reasons why they're afraid. They're afraid because of the power of God, uh, this power of Jesus. But along with that power, I want to remind you that we see it's an impure spirit and Jesus is pure. And because of that, he has this power over this impure spirit. So they don't need to be afraid of the power of Jesus because this power is, is pure. It is good. It is from God. It is Jesus Christ. Okay. So now they're still telling in verse 16 what happened. And then the response again is not just that people are afraid, but verse 17, they actually start asking Jesus to leave. You know, they just don't want to have anything to do with this. Now, I guess it's kind of okay for me to mention at this point, and I probably should have mentioned at the very beginning, but this area, this uh, Decapolis here that's, that's mentioned, um, it's an area that mostly was Gentile. So these are not people who are really Jewish people. So, I mean, to them, uh, we don't know exactly how much they, they knew ahead of time. But what we do find out is this, uh, this one man is going to be sent and he's going to be proclaiming this message among largely Gentile people. So the message of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, while it was largely among the Jews, it still kind of spread into other areas too. This is one of those stories that we see uh, it spreading into other areas. Now let's get into the, the, the why it spread, okay? Verse 18, uh, this man tries to go with Jesus. So as Jesus, um, basically he's told to leave and then he just gets into the boat and he is going to be leaving. But then that man begged to go with him. And it's very amazing to me, Jesus's response. And I think there's something we can learn about Jesus and discipleship too. Because this man, he wanted to be a disciple. He wanted to follow Jesus. He wanted to go with Jesus. But Jesus didn't let him. Why? Why would Jesus ever forbid someone from following him? Well, in this case, actually what Jesus did was he had something else planned. What this man was supposed to do is supposed to go to his hometown, go to this area that is mostly Gentiles, and tell them about how much the Lord has done for them and how the Lord has had mercy on them. See, that is actually how this man was going to be a disciple of Jesus. That's how this man is going to bring glory to God's name, is to go among the Gentiles and spread this message. That's why Jesus didn't let him follow him. You know, after all, uh, whenever he goes back to his hometown and his own people, they're going to know that he was that same guy. If he just travels around with Jesus, then, you know, people are just going to kind of have to take his word that, yeah, he was that same man. But his hometown is going to know him. They're going to know that something has changed. They're going to know that God has been there. God has visited them. So this man, he went away in verse 20, and he told about everything that Jesus had done for them. And because of that, people were amazed. This is a wonderful story, and it's, it's a very strange story, too. But it's one we can learn a whole lot about this power uh, that, that Jesus has. But there's two more stories that I want us to look into that uh, are going to take us through the rest of this chapter. Let's pick back up now in verse 21 through 23. When Jesus had again crossed over the boat, uh, over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. So now uh, what's amazing about that, I guess I kind of read maybe just a little bit more than what I was supposed to that's on the slide, uh, but Jesus does go with him. Um, so here in this passage, this is what the miracle is going to be. 
there's a little daughter who is um, part of this, is the daughter of this synagogue uh, leader. And he has requested, my little daughter is dying. Please come and heal her. So he understands something. He is once again falling at the feet of Jesus. This shows us the power of Jesus. But if we keep reading, we're going to find out about the purity of Jesus, though, too. Verses 24 through 34. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out of it from him. He turned around in the crowd and, and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now, in this passage, what we get is remember the main, uh, remember what happened right before this, okay? The synagogue leader, he says, my daughter's dying, please come. On the way, we see this miracle happening that's taking place kind of within this other miracle, this, this other story about this miracle of this little girl who is sick and needs healing. This other miracle happens. This one is a woman who has been suffering for 12 years, and her suffering has actually led her to being considered by um, the, uh, the Jewish uh, society. Uh, she would have been considered unclean. So whenever she actually reaches out to Jesus, she, because she was considered unclean, because she was considered impure at this time, when she reached out to Jesus and touched his clothes, that, according to the law, would have made Jesus unclean and impure. However, Jesus is pure. So what we see here, instead of the woman making him impure, Jesus's purity is so great that he actually makes the woman pure, that he actually helps her and, and purifies her and actually frees her from this suffering that she's been undergoing for 12 years. And Jesus responds in a very interesting way because he knew what happened. You know, God always knows. Jesus always knows what's going on. But he still kind of made the woman give a testimony for it, to, to proclaim what had happened, to confess those things that had happened. And that's kind of how it is with our relationship with God. Uh, yes, God will help us in all these different areas. Sometimes he asks us, though, to, to proclaim these things, to maybe tell our story so that, that God can receive this glory. And here in this case, what happened is that this woman, she fell at his feet again, recognizing his power. But she also recognizes the purity of Jesus. She told him the whole truth. And Jesus responds with this wonderful statement, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Jesus loves her so much, and Jesus cares for her. Jesus does the same thing for us. He cares so much for each and every one of us. We see the power that Jesus has. We see the purity that is in Jesus. Even impure people who touch him become pure. This is the miracle within the other miracle. But let's go back to that other miracle now. So let's 
we, we kind of started with that one about the little girl. Now we see this woman who is healed. Now let's go back to the little girl and let's see what happens. Uh, verses 35 going on down to verse 43. So this is, we'll uh, finish out the chapter. Verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some people uh, came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He told her, sorry, he took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha Koum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. This passage right here shows us that, that Jesus has tremendous power. And, you know, yes, at some point he said that, that uh, the child is not dead but asleep. He says that in verse 39. He, he knew the child was dead. That's why they laugh at him in verse 40. They knew that the child was dead. Everybody knew that the child had died. Okay, this is not something that it's just like, oh, well, they were mistaken, didn't really know that she was actually alive. No, she was dead, but Jesus brought her back from the dead. That's the type of power that Jesus has. See, Jesus not only has the power over impure spirits, uh, over our different problems, like this woman with the, the uh, um, issue of, of bleeding, but then also he has power over death itself. Now, I stated from that other story that that being touched by an impure person like that, being, you know, your clothes being touched, that would have uh, made you impure for a limited amount of time. But if you actually touch a dead body, uh, which Jesus took her by the hand, remember? When you touch a dead person like that, uh, you are actually considered unclean for even longer than that. I mean, it's kind of like a bigger thing, you know, a, a bigger uh, issue, and you need to take more time of cleansing. But yet, with Jesus, it doesn't render him impure because this dead little girl that he that he holds by the hand, she's no longer dead at that point. He brings life back into her. It's very fitting because Jesus is the one who, is, who has given us all this life. He is the, the author of life. And he breathes this life back into this little girl. He gives her an opportunity to be able to, to come back and to, to be among the land of the living for a time. And he does this, this miracle right there. And people respond as rightfully so. Verse 42, at this, they were completely astonished. And he told them not to tell anybody, but they need to give her, you know, something to eat. It's amazing to me because, you know, on the one hand, yeah, he's saying, well, don't tell people about this. There's already large crowds that are following him. It's already kind of causing some problem. That's why uh, with that previous miracle, um, the disciples respond with, okay, Jesus, there's a whole big crowd around you. How can you possibly even ask who touched me? Everybody's touching. Everybody's touching everybody right here in this group. It's, it's a huge crowd. That's one of the reasons why Jesus gave the strict orders not to tell anybody about this. But then he also cares about our physical issues. And in this case, 
this little girl, she needed something to eat. And he kind of cared enough about that to even mention that details. So to me, I don't know, maybe this means a bit to me and, and maybe it means a little bit to you as well. But the fact that he cares enough to say, you know, you need to give her something to eat right now. Jesus cares about the big things in life, but he also cares about those little things in life too. Something that we could easily overlook because, I mean, after all, if I see someone who is dead and all of a sudden become alive, um, my first thought is not going to be, oh yeah, let's make sure that, you know, we give uh, this person something to eat because they're going to be hungry. Jesus cares about all of, all of our needs that we might have. And right here, he, he sees to it that our needs uh, are met. And with this girl, for whatever reason, he sees to it that, that she gets this uh, chance to continue on in her life. Jesus has power. Jesus is so pure that even these things that should have uh, made him impure, they don't make him impure. His purity goes out to others. His purity cleansed the woman who was bleeding. His purity cleansed, you know, brought life back into this dead girl. He told her, get up. And she did. This is our God. This is our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we serve. And Mark tells us these stories so that we can know who he is, so that we can know how powerful he is, and so that we can know how pure he is. And he asks us to be pure, to share in this holiness that he is offering us. Let's make sure that we do that. Let's make sure that we continue to learn more and more about Jesus so that we can follow him more and more closely throughout our lives, however many days the Lord chooses to give those to us.